Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a very, very special episode of Loose Units. I'm Paul Verhoeven and my ex-cop dad, John Verhoeven, is sitting across from me. Dad, how are you doing today? Paul, <clears throat> as usual, I'm fantastic, marvellous okay. and feeling wonderful. Excellent. Now, Dad, have you heard of the dry? I have. I've seen um, I've seen ads for it on buses in Sydney, and sure. I've seen I've seen shorts as well, and it looks it looks gripping. It is. It's it's thoroughly thoroughly awesome, and one of the reasons I like it is because it feels extremely Australian, and I think that's one of the things that people like about loose units is that hearing your stories is it's really Australian, um, and there's something really unique about Australian crime and Australian crime dramas. And author Jane Harper is just an absolute wizard when it comes to kind of creating these worlds. And for those of you who don't know what The Dry is, it's about a federal officer called Aaron Falk, who was played by Eric Banner. And he basically heads back to his uh, hometown, which is this sort of drought-stricken fictional town in regional Victoria, because he gets this letter in the mail basically saying, I know what you did, be at the funeral. And it's this kind of a threat and kind of a mystery, and he has to go back to his old hometown where something happened to him decades ago, and he has to kind of process what happened whilst also trying to solve a murder, or maybe two. And it's really, really good, and there's several sequels that Jane's already written, and at long last, The Dry has been turned into an extraordinarily good film. And Dad, when you come down to Sydney, for, when you come down to Melbourne for Christmas, we'll be watching The Dry, and I'm really excited awesome. about that. Can't wait. I, I, yeah. I think he's a great actor. I really like he, him. Eric's, Eric's amazing. Apparently, we're on a first-name basis now. But this episode is special because, first of all, you are going to hear me chat with author Jane Harper, and it's a really, really interesting talk. And if you ever wanted to hear what it was like, because I write, um, I write books based on things that really happened. Jane writes books just created whole cloth from complete just just from her imagination so i hope you enjoy this chat with author jane harper uh lovely to meet you yes thanks for yeah nice to meet you too <laughs> oh boy look i guess uh you know time is a very precious thing so i'll just plow right into you okay it. sure yeah thank you for coming on loose units and talking about the dry you've done something now that not many people get to do and that is that they create something and then have someone make a movie based on it you get to see your work translated to the big screen be as honest as you want. What was it actually like seeing it on screen for the first time? Yeah, it was, look, it was a really surreal experience. And I think it was something, I still remember it really well, actually. Mm. 
the thing is I had actually, um, I wasn't as nervous as you might think because I had seen throughout the, the you know, Robert Connolly, the director and um, the guys from Made of Stories had been really great about keeping touch throughout. Um, so I, I had a good idea of what, you know, what I was in store for. And I got to go up and you know, see it being filmed and be an extra. So I had, I had a bit of a, a yeah, inside knowledge really about what was, I guess, in store. Right. Um, but, you know, when I saw it for the first moment, um, yeah, when it finished, I was, I was really blown away. I was, I thought they did an absolutely superb job. And I think one of so many things I loved about it, but I really loved how, um, yeah, how faithful it was to the book while also being such a great watch on its own as well. So yeah, I was really impressed. So you're in the film. I mean, I've seen the dry and I loved the dry. Like I loved <laughs> this movie, but where, who are you? Uh, were you any, like anyone pivotal or yeah. did you have a Hitchcock style cameo? Well, I'm, I'm surprised you don't remember um, my, my scene. Um, you'll have to watch it next time. It's um, it, the very start of Funeral and the Wake. Um, you were probably moved at that point, so you probably maybe maybe yeah. weren't paying as much attention to the extras as you, you could have been. But um, yeah. uh, I'm sitting in the uh, the second row of the funeral, playing a grieving townsperson, um, very convincingly, if I do say so myself. And um, and then at, at the wake, I'm holding a, a glass of white wine and looking, you know, um, both, both disturbed and upset, really, at, at appropriate points. So um, that was a real. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it, and a, a few of my um, family and friends also made their little cameos um, in those scenes as well. So it was it was a really great experience uh, to be involved so, like that. That's so great. Are you a red or a white drinker in real life? <laughs> I'm, I'm a, like I'm a white. Well, I'm a white drinker in real life, and I'm also a white drinker on the um, on screen. But I had to hold the same glass of wine for about five hours, I think. You know, and and. Um, I couldn't adjust the levels, obviously, because of continuity, um, <laughs> as I, <laughs> I experienced actors know. Um, so, um, yeah, I just sort of had this warming glass of kind of wine just, you know, in my hand for, for most of the, the day. <laughs> yeah, now you truly know the, the perils of being an actor. I, I can't imagine what that would be like because, you know, you were sitting there in a church that you wrote, you created a place, and then you were sitting in the physical manifestation of that building surrounded by the characters you wrote. Did at any point you start to trip balls a little bit and just go, like, what is going on? Like, what, what was that experience like? Yeah. Oh, look, it was, it was really, it was very surreal, actually, because exactly like you said, like, you know, you're sitting in this church and it was because they, 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 they shot it all on location. So it wasn't, it wasn't a set. It was an actual mm. church. And I think they had the real church organist was playing her organ and the what? priest was the real priest. <laughs> right. and, um, and we all file in, we're all in our fu your best funeral clothes. And, mm. and, and then you had an order of service, which has the names of these characters that I remember sitting down and, coming up with and um and there's a very sort of moving montage of photos of this family and it was it was very it was genuinely very moving it was like being at a real funeral but then occasionally you sort of take a step out of it and think this is this is all completely fictional and this is kind of what I, I wrote sitting at my desk a couple of years ago in my house in Melbourne so it was it was it was like stepping into some sort of 3d dream it was it was a very weird weird day <laughs> I guess it's kind of hard to, you know, go, this is the exact place I, I wrote about because the town is fictional. And that is something that kind of struck me as really interesting. It felt very real. It felt very lived in, but it's not a real town. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So it is fictionalized, um, but it is based in that kind of Northwest region of Victoria, which is where they, they filmed. Um, yeah. So they cherry picked um, different, you know, buildings and, and locations from, I think about 15 different towns and then mm. created this one, 
um, town in the film. Um, and I think the fact they went up there and used, um, you know, shot it, you know, up in that region really um, helped make it feel so authentic. It was exactly how I imagined that setting to be when I wrote it because, you know, that was the location I, I set it in. Um, so I thought in t- location wise, it was, it was very, very close to what I imagined in the book. Okay. But you created the place based, I mean, you have a slight English lilt as listeners will know you grew up in the UK, uh, at least for a little while. And then you were in the suburbs of Melbourne. Where did you, how did you make this place convincingly? Because I, I take it you didn't grow up somewhere like here. Did you spend time in country towns or did you just go on a road trip and go, I need to put a murder mystery in a place like this? Yeah. So when I, so I, um, as you said, I, so I was born in England then I lived in Australia for a few years when I was a, a child and then I moved back to England with my family for my teenage and, um, university years. And, okay. uh, and then I moved back to Australia, um, 12 years ago and I worked in Geelong, um, outside Melbourne and we have a very big, had a very big circulation. It was covered a lot of kind of country towns, mm. um, not as fun, you know, um, interstate as that, but, um, you know, I, I sort of, moved back to Australia really to get the kind of full experience and I was sort of I was only planning to stay for a few years so I used to go on all these road trips and go and you know um visits to places and and it was part of that and part of my work covering I guess regional Victoria for the paper that really kind of helps I think um plant the seed of the idea that then became the dry yeah okay okay that makes sense um I talked to Eric earlier and we chatted about some of the uh not pressures per se but the expectations um, that are associated with turning an established literary character into an on-screen performance. So I have to ask, and I promise I don't have to tell him the answer, but how did he do in, in bringing Aaron Fogg to life? Did he do an okay job? Oh, he did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was, I thought he was as amazing as you'd expect Eric Danner to be. Um, you know, I, um, yeah, I think, you know, does, as an author, you know, you you want um you want the actors to play the character to be really embraced by readers because readers have yeah they have their own ideas of this character and who they are and and um so when um when I heard Eric Banner was interested I I personally was delighted I thought he was a really inspired choice because I thought he he he's so naturally beloved that he um you know, he was someone that people would automatically really warm to and get behind. But then the real test is what the readers think. And, you know, when he was announced, the absolute overwhelming outpouring of positivity and love that went came for him, I was, um, I was so delighted because, you know, the readers have, um, have absolutely embraced him as, as Aaron Fork. And I think that is, you know, um, is such a huge step in, in, in um, you know, for readers in, in kind of enjoying the film is being able to believe in that main character. So mm. I haven't seen it myself. I mean, he did, he did an amazing job. I thought his, his performance was fantastic. So good. So, so, so good. <laughs> and he's so, and he's so, and again, we left the screening and just went, look, not to sound tactless, but he's a beautiful man. Um, really comically handsome and wonderful, but in a very realistic way. And I think the whole film does just feel extremely Australian in a way that I think is really, it's really nice. It's really refreshing. This is a film I think I could show to, you know, these are stories that I think can be read by people overseas and they, they might get the Australian experience, you know, a little yeah. bit more. Um, but you do have legions of readers around the world. How are you, I mean, do you feel a kind of an associated pressure for the fans of the book, seeing their favorite, potentially favorite story being translated to the screen and like, are you hearing from people about this? Do people sound really excited or are they worried that it's going to be different 
to their version of events. Yeah, look, I mean, they're really excited. They, they are really excited for it. Yeah, the, the, the feedback I get from readers is they, they, they cannot wait to see this film. Mm. Um, but um, absolutely, I think there's very much like a, a hope and expectation that the film will do it justice. And I think if, if anything, yeah, that was the biggest thing for me was just being like, you know, this, this, this you know, this book and this, this story that I, you know, I personally spent, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours and you know, time and effort, you know, creating. Um, and then had been embraced so beautifully by, you know, booksellers and readers around the world. Like you just, when you hand it over to someone to make a film, you just want to feel like you've done the right thing by it and that it's going to be looked after. And I was so, um, I'm so delighted by the outcome with it. I think um, that it's absolutely, you know, they've done it justice in so many, in so many ways and all the important things are are, are in there. Um, And I think readers will absolutely love it. And I think there's such a great, companion pieces as well because I think if you like the book you'll like the film and vice versa which is really for me as an author that's the ideal scenario do you do that thing where you read a book and you cast actors when you start reading so that you can actually see and hear them as characters in a book or is that something just I do because now I can't read because I haven't read the other books now I'm going to read them and have Eric and have that kind of is it interesting having a version that is going to potentially overwrite people's you know, the version of people's heads. I mean, how does that feel as an author? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I know that experience myself as a reader where I've read a book and then I've maybe seen the film adaptation and the film adaptation has sort of, um, those characters have become the characters in my mind, you yeah. know, um, when I go on to read future books. And um, I think, you know, I think it helps a lot that the movie's great. Like that, you know, it's it's not it's no um, it's no hardship if people read the books and they have Eric Banner in their minds. Um, for me, no, what, so yeah, what what a tragedy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so so I think um, I think really it's a it's a win win, and, and I think the fact that it is so um, you know it's such a great movie in its own right, but I think it has really captured for me that the kind of spirit and feel of of the books. Um, I feel that um, you know readers, you know people who 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 discovered a film because of the book will be delighted and people who discovered the books because of the film will will um you know also really enjoy them i think it's a really positive circle um no matter how people kind of come to the book or the film yeah okay um something else that eric and i uh talked about first name basis look at the arrogance. that's right you and eric, yeah, yeah just the besties um <laughs> me and eric yeah, too yeah <laughs> yeah sure sure just you know he'll be he'll be at the christmas party it's great um something else that we chatted about was whether or not he thinks so having played a someone who solves crimes for a living, you know, a federal police officer, whether he thinks he could solve a crime, solve a mystery, you know, in real life, um, this whole podcast. And cause I, I write books about my dad cause he was a cop in the eighties and I write stories about, you know, him solving crimes. Um, and he thinks that he could do what Eric does in a heartbeat because he's played, not played, he's, he's been a police officer in real life. And he thinks that is easily easy to translate. Eric said that he thinks, he is in no way qualified to solve crimes. But I'm sitting here thinking, let's say you, Jane, moved to a country town and the police officers there were fans of your work and they were having trouble with an outside-the-box crime. <laughs> Would you say yes if they grabbed you and enlisted you as a sort of ride-along, to, you know, to get your perspective? I mean... <laughs> Would you, would you have a crack at solving crimes in real life? <laughs> well, the thing is that the, the, the advantage I have as an author of crime mm. novels is that I, I already know the ending. Okay. So, you know, it's, um, that, that, is a, that is a really significant um, benefit, I think, that possibly wouldn't, um, wouldn't translate to real life. But um, 
I mean, you know, it's 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 full of. Um, I could I, I could probably tell them who the the most likely suspects were, and then who the red herrings were, right. and then they should probably go for the the one you least suspect would be my advice. Okay, but you don't think? I mean, you could always commit a crime in the style of one of your crimes and then help them solve it, right? <laughs> well, I could, but then I I, I could also um, I'm so you know I'm so used to kind of putting in those those layers and distraction red herrings i'd like to mm. get away with it because i would i, I could be a, the, the the mass of of of, uh, of distraction and keep their heads turned in the wrong direction right. again i'd be the person you'd least suspect wouldn't it so I, maybe i would so you're the you bad know. guy in in one of your books <laughs> as opposed to the good guy in a series of books uh that's okay so that's a little that's a little disappointing but i guess it makes sense i guess in real life crimes are probably less interesting maybe that's why you know crime novels uh like the dry appeal because they present the normalcy of life in this unbearably complex way that implies that things have an order to them when in fact they absolutely do not ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Um, I have one final question for you. Do you have any advice for crime authors who, whose works might soon be making the jump to the screen? Are there any things that you need to be careful of? Are there any points at which you felt you needed to step in and say, please don't, make Aaron a ginger that isn't right with me. Please don't give him, you know, like a wooden leg or are there any frankly joyous moments that, you know, people should really look out for when their works are getting adapted. And also how long does it take? How long, how long was this in the works for? 
Yeah, so this got um, optioned in 2015 before it actually got published. So it's been five years, which um, wow. feels like quite a long time. But at the same time, I think it's quite fast, um, yeah. I think, for a, a film to get from option to completed projects. Um, so, um, you know, and it's been, it's been an amazing five years. I've learned so much. And I think, you know, if you're lucky enough to have someone who's willing to invest the time and finances and resources that are involved in making, um, you know, your book into an adaptation, um, it's, a, it's a really special experience. Um, and I think, look, you know, it, it's for any, any one person to really decide, I guess, how, to what extent they want to be involved and what extent they're able to be involved. Um, I suppose my only... Um, you know, the thing I think is, is quite useful is, um, I suppose, as an author, knowing what it is about your work that makes it particularly, that are particularly important to you. And I'm talking really about the themes mm. or the relationships rather than the superficial, you know, scenes or, or interactions. You're talking about the, the kind of the core of it and the real heart of it that will make it recognisable to readers when they see it on screen. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, this film has you know, I, has, has absolutely kind of captured those real important, um, you know, um, kind of benchmarks, I think, that make, have made the book, um, you know, what it is for me and for, for many readers. I know this is probably the worst time to ask you this, but would you go again? Would you do, would you do it again? Yeah, I would. I would. I, I absolutely would. Having seen the, having seen the finished um, version of The Dry, I mm. would, um, I mean, the fact that they've set the, set the bar so high, I think is, is very beneficial to me because yeah. it's like, yeah, from now on, this is, this is the minimum standard now and this minimum standard is very, very high. Um, so my, my, my fourth book, The Survivors, has actually been optioned for TV series already. So nice. um, that's, um, yeah, watch the space on, on that one. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, you know, I think it's impossible to, to watch the, the finished film that is a dry and and not be um, very open to to going down that road again. Awesome. How good was that? Incredible, Paul. Yeah, Jane's amazing. And as you may have noticed, we talked about Eric Banner a fair bit Mm. and about his thoughts about the film. Dad, would you object to Eric playing you if we were to somehow turn Loose Units or Electric Blue into a TV show? Um, Yeah, I'd be be honoured. He fulfils most of the attributes that... um, you know, like, well, yeah, it'd be great. Most of them. Oh my god. No, okay. No, well, no. look. Well, what? What? Yeah. What I'm going to try and do is I'll have a word with Eric. Mm. Actually, I had a word with Eric. Eric is about to appear on the show right now. This you're about to hear a chat that I had with Eric a couple of days back about uh, what it was like to be involved in the dry. So we hope you enjoy this chat with the actual Eric Banner. Hey, Eric. How are you doing? Good, Paul. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, thanks so much for chatting with me this morning. The movie is extremely good. It's just... Oh, thank you very much. It, it's, it's an absolute belter. My, my dad is, a, is an ex-cop and um, he likes to sit back and watch people playing police on TV and he's like, oh yeah, I reckon I can do that because he reckons he's just accrued the requisite skills <laughs> to sort of portray a cop on screen. Um, do you think conversely that having played, you know, an officer like Aaron, you could step into the role and maybe solve some crimes or is that like way outside your remit? Well, it's funny you should mention it. Um, but when I was a kid at school, uh, me and my best friend at the time were quite, quite committed to the idea of joining the police force. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I honestly considered it um, back when I was in year, like year eleven, I think. Right. And I don't know. I don't know what uh, what what 
what made me change direction. But it was it was something I I seriously considered. I don't know if it was just you know a lack of other opportunities seemed to be the go. <laughs> but um, there you go. I've always been a little bit fascinated by the job. But do you think you'd be able to solve a crime now? I mean, you've you know you've you obviously have that urge to kind of solve. It's just problem solving, right? Actors solve problems I've, all the time. I've watched enough documentaries, mate, to be able to uh, to, to deal with it quite quite well. I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, first of all, uh, this is based on a very good book, and I know that whenever actors pick up the source material, there's probably a whole bunch mm. of stuff they go through to go right. How do I translate this across to the screen without you know kind of like messing it up? I mean. Was that a, what was that process like? Was there pressure? Was it, were you free to do whatever you wanted? There was a little bit of pressure. Um, but to be honest, I, I, I felt like the pressure was coming as much from myself as a fan because I love the book myself. So I actually felt kind of as protective of the, 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 the book and the property and the character as, you know, everyone else who'd, who'd read the book. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that was, that was a good thing. So it wasn't a case of, you know, sometimes people adapt material to then twist it into something that they want it to be mm-hmm. both rob and i and and bruna uh, all were really keen to faithfully adapt jane harper's work and just to try and you know cinematically elevate it as much as as we could so there's always a bit of pressure but i've been involved in quite a few adaptations and it's really important to kind of divorce yourself from that a little bit yeah okay okay one of the really interesting things about the drive for me was the sense of it felt like I was in a real place and it felt like it was in a uniquely right. Australian place. I didn't grow up in a small town, so I don't, but, but it still felt very relatable in that respect. What is it about small Australian towns that you think is so unique? Because I don't think there's anything else like it uh, in the world. Well, I'm glad you felt that because it was, it was a real um, deliberate thing that we were trying to depict a version of regional Victoria or regional Australia that they would recognise themselves as opposed yeah. to a kind of like archetypal depiction that people from overseas would come to expect, right? So the casting was was really specific, um, fleshing out all those characters to make them feel like they all had a, a sense of history and, and secrets from within the town and so forth. And then cinematically, obviously, we were blessed with where we were filming in the Mallee Wimmera region in the middle of the drought, beginning of 2019. Um, So that was really important. We were able to do that because we had the confidence that underneath all that was this incredible mystery that drives it. I think if you were just sitting with those people and you didn't have all that underneath it, you'd feel less confident to just sit in that world and and allow it to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Want it to be something kind of surreal and spectacular. But it is surreal and spectacular just by being itself. And at the same time, it's not hostile. It's full of hostile people, very real people. But at the same time, I felt like I could go to the pub and become friends with some of the people there and relate. I mean, what was the experience like? (laughs) Yeah, I could, you know, probably maybe not hit up an Airbnb for three weeks at a pinch, especially not now. But what was it like actually going out to that area and filming and being around you know, those, those places. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, was unreal. We were about four and a half hours out of Melbourne. Um, and what was great about that was that we had total buy-in. So everyone who came to work on the film were, were coming to work on the film. We were, we were entrenching ourselves in that region for a couple of months. Mm. Um, it was too far to sort of travel back on the weekends and so forth. And we just took full advantage of everything that region had to offer. And it's just spectacular. I absolutely love it. I mean, regional Victoria, New South Wales is just, it's ridiculously rich. 
um, and to get the opportunity to, to do it properly and not be sort of like an hour out of Melbourne and traveling back. There is another version of this film you could absolutely do that way, but yeah. it wouldn't have done, done it justice. So it was just fantastic. And I think Australians will relate to it. You know, Eddie Baru, who plays the barman, the, the publican, I, I mean, just that, that notion, I love the idea that people from overseas would, would see the guy behind the bar hand over a key to the person, like all that sort of stuff that, that, that happens in, in, in our country pubs, mm. I think is just part of our character. That's weird because um, Eddie's a mate and we were working together on the oh, weekend. Wow. Yeah, really? And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mentioned uh, that I was talking to you and he just said, oh, I'm in that. And I'm like, I know you are because I've seen the film and it was, it was uh, so nice to go. Brilliant. It's so, he's great. And it's a very Australian film in, in a really good way. And one of the things I keep hearing from people who stagger like gleefully out of screenings is that it feels like a Hollywood movie. You know what I mean? It feels like a blockbuster, which is really odd because it's so Australian. What do you think it is about the dry that feels so ambitious like why how has it gotten so ambitious um for, for, uh, thank you and i did it's just like the greatest little 10 second review ever that just <laughs> really made, made my day it's true and look it was very very deliberate jane's writing is so cinematic and and we all felt like there was an opportunity to make something that was not only really gripping and and had a, a an inbuilt fan base but we just thought big Big, big. Everything is big. Like in, mm. in terms of like the cameras that we chose to, to shoot it on, the sensors and so forth. And everything was, was deliberately done to try and drag people into the cinema. We didn't want this to be a trailer that played and people went, oh, I'll wait till it comes to a streaming service. We wanted people to go, I'm going to see that on the big screen. Yeah. Um, so that was very, very deliberate. And yeah, it's, it's, I'm thrilled to hear you say that. I really am. That's awesome. Oh, look, it's it's such a great film. And I sat there going, all right, because there's sequels. I mean, there are books that are sequels. And I know this is a bit like asking someone who's leaving the gym after having done 400 squats, whether they want to go another round. <laughs> but are you, are you keen to do more? Are you keen to bring Aaron back to the screen at some point? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't... Uh, the, 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 the book that comes after this one uh, was a great read as well. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the dry does. Um, but I don't have any, any like firm plans or, or anything like that. Okay. This film was about being called back to your hometown and having to deal with kind of a dirty, grimy childhood secret, basically. I'm not saying, have you murdered anyone? And uh, do you have anything big to cover up? But do you have any deep, dark secrets that kind of let you kind of inhabit that role and sort of portray someone who is hiding things? Oh, that's a tough one. I don't know if I have any dirty, dark secrets, no. Um... Oh, I'll have to go back to Tullamarine and ask the and ask the locals, I guess. But but um, uh, no, there's nothing that really jumps out as being overly interesting. Very, the dark secret is a is a ridiculously normal suburban childhood. Yeah, okay. with very little trauma. That's the truly dark secret for an actor to have to reveal. Oh, you don't have any actual deep seated hurts that you can draw on. You actually had a really good upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to actually like try and create them. You know, which is, yeah. uh, which, yeah, that's, that's where the, you know, that's where the, the, the you know, that's where the work is. That's what, that's what makes you an actor. Well, look, Eric, thank you so much. Congratulations on the dry. It's really great. I'll be going to take my uh, family to see it again. And my father-in-law this morning revealed by accident that he has thought for the last 20 years that your name is Eric Banana. Um, and <laughs> we were all fucking appalled. So easy mistake. Easy mistake. Is it? Is it? Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to cover for him. 
that's appalling, actually, you know. Um, it was a nickname, mainly for my brother, because he was a tall banana, because he's six foot eight. Sure. But, um, you know, these things happen. They do. I'm going to tell him you said that. Eric, thank you so much. And have Thanks a great Thanks very morning. much, Paul. Cheers. Say hi to Eddie for me. I will. So there you have it. Eric Banner and Jane Harper talking about The Dry. If you haven't already booked your tickets to go and see it, I, I'm not kidding here. Uh, it's it's really, really good. It comes out on January the 1st. And if you enjoy true crime, I think you're really going to dig it because it just dad, it just feels extremely real. And what's great is Eddie Barrow, who plays um, the dad on Red Hot Australian Christmas, as as you would have heard, uh, plays the bartender um, at the pub in this in this small fictional town in the dry. So you know it's it's got red hot Australian Christmas royalty in it. So yeah, make sure you go and see the dry. Make sure you go and grab uh, all of Jane Harper's books. And we're going to be back on Tuesday morning with another episode of Loose Units. In the meantime, stay safe, be good to each other, and we'll see you then. Bye. Cheerio. Even on a budget. Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.